You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. Uh, I get get pumped, man. I hear that music. I just, I'm telling you, Charles, every week I am pumped for Detroit, City of Champions, the story of uh, 1935, hanging out. With you and, and Tom, I just and Matt Fox pushing our buttons. Matt Fox is here this week. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 made it. I, I what just snow? missed them the last couple what weeks. What snow? I don't Seriously, care. I'm not a sports person by any shape of the imagination, but these stories uh, and that are coming together with you being uh, you know just the journeyman journalist that it, it just pulled these things together. Tom, you, you got so much experience uh, and so much firsthand knowledge of so many of these great people. Uh, and then Matt and I just sit here in awe of uh, the, the fun that, that we get to have and, and tell these stories from your trilogy of books that uh, we're, we're going to make this darn thing. A, 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 it is a screenplay. It needs we got to be. a screenplay. The next step is actually turn it into the, to the first the, to the first. Sports epic movie ever made. I did. I want to see it. I want to. I, it's and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of things that'll be uh, it could come to life. I mean, there's so many outlets for for that side of things. So uh, we'll share the stories and then uh, people find out about it. We're in the middle of sharing the Red Wings Ooh. story, though, right? Yeah, this is a cool yeah, middle no. beginning. There's a, there's so much to tell. I say we're still at the beginning of it all. Really. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's um. There's there's a lot. To, we're gonna there's we're, that's but I just why I love to be able to unpack this story. Yeah, uh, like one episode at a time because there is a ton to unpack, and it's and it's just to glance over some of this stuff is just to really do an injustice to um, the details themselves, like to the stories and the people that did it. So where where did we leave off? What did we touch on last time? Uh, well, last last time we talked about the uh, we we talked about how uh, James Norris came to town mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the in the in uh, the Cougars. In the, they they'd gone from the Cougars to the Falcons, and then James Nor- James Norris came in because they, they were, needed money. They were almost bankrupt. They almost were bankrupt. they were bankrupt, yep. and uh, yep. And then James Norris uh, gave them you know now he brings in um, you know money into this. Into I love it when million- I love when millionaires fight each other. Yeah, and that was the other thing is the, <laughs> we, we we started to we started to sort of uh, like unpack the uh, we started to unpack the the story the the, the rivalry between Norris. And Frederick McLaughlin, who is the the owner of the uh, the Blackhawks. What could go wrong when millionaires start oh, to fight? That's the greatest type of fight that there is, right? Yeah, you know, everybody loves that kind of fight. Yeah, money, where money, yeah. So, well, yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. So you're going to see him Sunday at the Super Bowl. The millionaires, hitting yeah. The millionaires. Oh yeah, my god! Now they're right? on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now the millionaires yeah. are on the they're field. Yeah. On the, field. <laughs> the billionaires are the billionaires are fighting in the field. stands. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that's where we were, we um, we were talking about James Norris. And the, just an re- incredible impact he had on this on uh, hockey in Detroit. Right. Not only did he bring the name Red Wings, um, you know, based on the Montreal Maroons, or I'm sorry, Montreal Winged Wheelers. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought that with him uh, to you know to Detroit and and became the Red Wings. Um, so that's we so we so he br- brings in that, and he also brings in he brings the cash that they need to actually compete like legitimate NHL hockey club yeah. uh, amongst the heavyweights that are out there. So. So this, so yeah, that's where what's, we. What's on tap for today? What are we so, going to look at today? Well, what's on, so anyway, so um, so w- what we touched on was uh, um, how in Norris's first season, uh, the the um the the uh, the first season as the Red Wings, 
the team goes on to uh, goes to the Stanley Cup. They're saying Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, okay. just make sure it's accurate. So we don't have to do an apology later. Yeah. On. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, so we have to do the thing. Dear so, fans that actually know yeah. their crap, we would like to severely yes. apologize. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So actually, the first year of the Red Wings, they go to the, they win their first playoff series in thirty two, thirty three, right, and then thirty three, thirty four. The following year, um, Norris opens up his pot, his his bankroll, and gets a. Uh, a guy named Ralph Cooney Weiland from uh, from from Ottawa, who's like one of the best scorers in the NHL, and had had a massive rivalry with Herbie Lewis uh, in the, in their minor league days. And Cooney Weiland, uh, and also the we talked about Wilf Cude, how the goalies, how he was on loan from Montreal Canadiens, and the, and he became the best goalie in the league that year. Yeah, and they propelled them to the Stanley Cup, and that was the year thirty three thirty four. And then they lost to the Blackhawks in that first Stanley Cup or in their first Stanley Cup appearance. One to nothing in triple in double overtime. They lost to the Blackhawks, which to the you know to the to the you know of any team they could have lost to, it could have, you know Frederick McLaughlin and the Blackhawks. That's who they got beat by. Mm. You know by Norris's first Stanley Cup appearance for his team, they get beat. And so um and so anyways yeah so that was thirty three thirty four, and we started and then so we really left off in thirty four thirty five, which is really the predis the, the year the the season prior to the the uh, the, the main focus of the show. So 34-35 is like the primer. So like, kind of like with the Tigers. Yeah. The Tigers in 1934 um, came out of nowhere, and they galvanized the entire uh, Detroit sports you know, world. Like The entire Detroit fandom is going crazy for the Tigers. It was a renaissance for the Tigers in 34. They go all the way to the World Series and lose in seven games. And then the Lions come to Detroit in 1934. They win 10 straight games before folding at the end of the year. How do you not take it all when you win 10 straight games? Exactly. Well, they ran, into, 13, they ran into the Bears. Games, yeah. They oh, ran into the, the Bears. Stop Bears. Exa- exactly. So the Bears, and they also ran, yeah, they ran into the Bears. They also ran into the Packers, but they yeah. lost twice to the Bears and got knocked out. So, Ugh. and so anyway, that's, you know, that's sort of, we already talked about the, how the birth of the, that rivalry yeah. became, you know, beginning in that year. And then, so at this time, you know, Joe Lewis is coming up out of nowhere. He still wasn't a household name, but he was, his name was becoming known in fight circles, as we'll see when we get to that section of our story. But, uh, so anyways, there's a lot of things going on in Detroit 1934 and everything except for the Red Wings. Because the Red Wings are awful in 1933 or in 1934, 35. <laughs> so while everybody else is doing really great, yeah. um, the Red Wings are just they're you know they're not, they're awful. They're not. I mean, they're not like the worst team ever right, that right. ever played, but they still they only won. They had they had uh, uh, they had 19 wins, 22 losses, seven ties. So they were in, they were just unspectacular. There was nothing. Right. They were irrelevant in a city that were full of growing winners. You right, see? right. So, but and then. Just not to get off track or ahead of ourselves, because I'm sure we'll do an episode uh, or two on them, but uh, the Olympians, right? Olympics, yeah. The Olympics. Um, how are they doing as, as a minor league? Or is it that well, here we, that's a little what, rest That's what rebel. we left off with is the one bit of good news for this franchise right. okay. is they won the 1934-35 IHL championship. Okay. So whereas the Red Wings are playing like on streamer, they're not the worst team in the league that year, but right. they – um, but they're, but, uh, you know, they're, but they're, they're back page news compared to the Tigers and even the Lions, who sure, the Lions are trying sure. to compete for coverage with the Tigers. But the Red Wings were certainly back news and hockey still had not truly captured the, the public's uh, imagination. At we that had point. more Canadians coming over from Windsor exactly. to watch hockey yes. than we had, you know, the, American the actual hockey Detroit fans. fans watching hockey. Yeah. There's yeah. more fans come from Windsor to cheer on these Canadian teams. Then there was actual Detroiters showing up to these games, yeah. and so um, and that's you know you also got the Olympics playing at Olympia Stadium, which you've already talked about on previous shows. Yeah. How that was unique in sports was that you'd have a minor league team playing in the same stadium as the majors, yeah. and I think that was actually kind of beneficial for the the gate because 
you know, you might have, cause they played other, the different teams besides like, you know, you know, the Red Wings would play like the Maple Leafs, but then, um, the Olympics would play like the Cleveland Bulldogs, yeah. you know, they would play like these different cities. And so there might be people that might be interested in seeing that matchup. So, so yeah, so the minor league team play there. So the Olympics play there in the Olympics while the Red Wings are doing terrible. Um, the Olympics are winning the IHL championship in this year. Okay. And so, you know, and, the, and again, we talked about last week how, um, uh, Donnie Hughes, who was with Jack Adams in Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, he was a, he was a trainer with Ottawa while Jack Adams was winning the Stanley Cup. And then Donnie Hughes was the guy who was the coach of the Olympics. Uh, he's actually in the team photo that we showed a few, a few episodes ago. Donnie Hughes is in that, um, Ottawa uh, Stanley Cup champion photo, the team photo. But, um, but anyways, um, so Donnie Hughes is running the team. And for the Olympics, and they in the Olympics win their championship. So, um, and so, anyways, so, so Jack Adams now is in the situation where, um, so Jack Adams and James Norris are all in the situation where they're not blind to the fact that they are basically irrelevant in a city full of winners. Yeah. Okay. And really, they in in a way, um, they kind of dodged a bullet because if the red if the Tigers had won a World Series and the Lions had won a championship. And all this stuff is happening. They were dismal. Yeah, and they they would have really been irrelevant. Right. They would have been like, well, we don't we only care for winners here. You know, you guys yeah. were part of it. And so now all of a sudden, so now the you know the Tigers had come just close, and then the Lions had come just so close. They were, both were there. And so now that so thirty four, I've said it from the very the very first episode that um that th- nineteen thirty four was the primary year. Mm. It was the year. It's essential. Like nineteen. Whenever I talk about thirty five, you always got to talk about thirty four and mm. all the stuff because thirty four, all the stuff that happened in thirty four. Set up 35. You know, like I say, the Tigers get to the World Series. The Lions come into the, they, that was their first year. And then they win, you know, they get all, they win 10 games and they do all this stuff. And Joe Lewis had, you know, was, was working his way through the ranks all the way through 34 to set up his big year in 35. And so in this case, the Red Wings are, um, the primer for them is, is that they're awful mm. and they know they're awful and they know that they're like next year, the Tigers like are the, like, you know, the, the 1935 Tigers were probably the most anticipated baseball season. At least in Detroit history. I mean, I can't say that it was the most anticipated, but I. But when you read the articles about the busloads of people that are traveling down to Florida to you know to, to Lakeland, Florida, which is that late thirty four was the first year they played in Lakeland, which is their their, their, their home now. Um, when they have caravans of people, they have people hitchhiking down to Florida. They've got Walter Hagen and Newell Banks, who we're going to find out the World Checkers champion is down there playing blindfold checkers with people in the park. You know, like there, like there's, I mean, they, there, this was, uh, you know, at the time, the celebrities of Detroit mm. were all on caravans headed to Lakeland to watch the Tigers. They were so excited about oh. the 1935 season. And so, like I say, the excitement was just palpable. I mean, it was in the air. And then the Lions, of course, they're like going through their own restructuring and they, they, they know they have to try to do something to keep pace with the Tigers. They, they can't be, they can't let down on their, on their ability to compete. And so again, so this is where we're going to sort of begin today is this idea that James Norris and uh, Jack Adams, they know that 1935 is going to be a big year, that if they want, this is their chance. You know, they play the, the hockey followed the other sports. So, um, you know, so, so the Tigers, Lions, and that would be playing, and then the Red Wings season would be kicking off. So they know that, um, you know, so they're like, when they're playing in 34-35, the, you know, the primary year, they're sitting there watching all this excitement building for this next season, and they know that they're not part of it. Uh, and they want to be a yeah, part of it because yeah. if they can, because they, you know, if they can compete, if they can be part of this renaissance, if they can be mentioned in the same breath as the Tigers, as the Lions, if they, 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 that, that puts them, it makes them part of the sporting fabric of the city. You know, it's, and so that, that's what, that was their ultimate objective was to lay the foundation for hockey in Detroit, um, to build a franchise. 
and to make it so that it's not just Windsor fans, you know, not just Canadian fans. And, um, and that's where they're, they, so they knew that they needed a major revamp. This team, like they'd been to the Stanley Cup the prior year and they knew they had these core players. And it just like a refresher, you have Ebby Goodfellow, Herbie Lewis, Larry Ori, um, Johnny Sorrell, and Doug Young. These five guys we talked about in a previous show, we kind of described like their, their sort of playing styles and characteristics. Yeah. Um, these five guys were, Adams knew, like they, they, they all knew that, you know, they knew that these are their guys. In fact, Ebby Goodfellow was the captain at this moment. And so they, they knew that they had their sort of anchor players uh, set in place. So what is it that brings them out of this dip? And, well, that's and, what we're going to be talking out. about for the next two episodes because it's a lot to cover. Yeah. Because okay. there's because think about it. The, the rosters at this time were 15. They had 15 guys on a roster. Wow. They played way less games so that, yeah. you know, it's not taking away from guys nowadays going, oh, you know, they only play with 15 guys. But yeah, well, they played like half as many games now sure, too. So, sure, yeah. So, but anyways, um, so, so, but Adams knew he needed a major roster revamp. That okay. This one didn't get it done. And so um, he knew he had his he knew he had his five guys. On um, really, at the time, he thought he had six. And right. Cooney Wyland, Cooney Wyland was their lone all star. He was the only guy that they had. He was like one of, if not the, I haven't written down one of, if not the best goal scorer of the year that year. Okay, I mean he's an offensive like dynamo. This is yeah. like a, I mean, um, if anybody that's listening that's follows hockey, I th- like the way I've seen descriptions of Cooney Wyland. At least in my mind, it was is like if everybody's ever seen like Theoren Flurry, like Theo Flurry back in the eighties and nineties, yeah. kind of a smaller guy, but it was like kind of compact, you know, scrapper type, and would score just you know could score all the time, like always a threat. Cooney Wyland was a star, okay, and so that was like their one of their best players. I mean, he was like the, so it really at that at that moment there was really at the very least maybe in Adam's mind six guys they had, um, but other things would transpire that would you know reduce it down to five as we're about to find out. So what's the what's the first piece? Uh, so the of first the piece of the puzzle. So that's what we're going to get to. So, so we're going to take this. We're going to take this. Uh, like I say, in two parts because there's the is the, so the today we're going to be talking about um, the the you know the first batch of guys they got to replace yeah. it. Okay. So um so like I said, there's fu- so so the first guy that we're talking about here today. See, you know what I love about this is is like so you know Tom when when I met Charles, it's like we were at like this uh, art fair, and he's like selling his book and stuff and he, he's telling me the story and it's just he's got about a minute and a half to, to tell me the story and it's just it's really the cursory story of the yeah. big oh big it's three. a quick summary yeah and it's like and it's i love that we get to sit down and we're like getting into each one of these individual players that that made this yeah. tick yeah you it's, know it's vast yeah. You know, and it, it's and I think there there's such important stories for the 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 city, and and for the for not the and for the sport and for athletics uh, to share. I just I, I love this. Yeah, I, I, I love this. I totally man. do too. I so who's this cat? Yeah. Who's so, this first cat? So you got and so like so this is this is this is like one of the coolest guys. I know I always like this is my favorite guy ever. <laughs> no, but so, Ebby and Ebby is like I say Ebby Ebby Goodfellow is my favorite pound for pound Red Wing from this era. Yeah, my favorite sort of fan favorite from '35 was Buckle McDonald. But you would, but like like I almost feel bad that I don't list. And this is the guy we're talking about today, Sid Howe, ah, the Ottawa Assassin. Yeah, all right, the coolest nickname like. Of like we talk a lot about nicknames, but like, how do you get a better nickname than the Ottawa Assassin? <laughs> the like Ottawa. that is pretty awesome. Right, <laughs> like, right, that is right. like that is like the pretty much the coolest nickname of all time. Uh-huh. That's how we're leading them off. There's today. a backstory in there somewhere. Oh well, that's where we're going to get to on today's episode. Oh. Episode number twenty, what seven? Yes, Sid, Sid <laughs> Howe, the Ottawa Assassin. Yes. <laughs> and we were going to do an entire episode on Sid Howe, but uh, okay. today we're going to do a little bit of a glance over just to show because the acquisition of him. Um, so uh the so there was a major acquisition. So so here's so this is the story, okay? 
in 19th. So we've already got to the point where we're talking about how in 34, the Red Wings know they're just, you know, they're, they're see, they have to do something, right? Right. And it's, so it's at this moment. So it's February 11th, and it, there's 14, 14 games left in the season um, when this announcement comes through that uh, Jack Adams, uh, the James Norris and Jack Adams have just acquired two players, all right, Sid Howe. Okay. And also uh Ralph Scotty Bowman. Okay. okay. So the, but right off the bat, I just want to get right through to anybody that's listening, okay? And I and this is what's and we're gonna this is kind of Sid Howe is not related to Gordy. Let's just get this off the table. All right. What about Sid Howe the... is not related to Gordy. Okay. And then there's a modern day coach, of course, everybody you know modern Scotty, Scotty Bowman. Bowman for the Red Wings. And this Scotty Bowman is not related to him. Okay. All right. But now it I want to say, he's got a look though. Okay, but here's the thing. Now I want to say something that's like kind of like a you know, like a sad situation here. Yeah. Which is that the fact that I have to lead off, the fact that I have to st- like every time you mention art shows, mm-hmm. when I'm doing this stuff at art shows, when I'm talking to people at art shows and stuff, yeah. and I have to, and every time I mention Sid Howe or I mention Scotty Bowman, everybody goes, "Oh, the Scotty Bowman." You know, like, or it's like, oh, 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 is this? Yes, it's, is it like, it's, it's the, the Scotty Oh, is that Bowman. like Scotty, like, is that, you know, they don't know, they can't place the year Scotty Bowman's, right, but right, they, right, they right. think maybe this was like Scotty Bowman was like that. I mean, you know, it's Scotty Bowman. Yeah. And then they also Sid Howe. They think yeah. they're like, oh my God, that's Gordy. Is that, is that Gordy Howe's relative or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the sad thing is, is that I have to put a disclaimer every single time. And these guys shouldn't have a disclaimer. They, they should be right. have a they, disclaimer. These guys are. Exactly. These guys in their own right. These guys should be stars in their own right. These guys should be in the They should Pantheon. have a statue. Yeah, well, or a banner. Sid Howe should have a statue. Scotty Bowman, you know what I mean? Like he was a great player too. Yeah, statue really? Yeah. I don't know, but he was really good. Yeah. He was really and that's what I'm saying like but in his like his name at the very least should be well known. Yeah. He was a great player. I, and so um in Sid Howe, you know, in, in Sid Howe at the end of his career when he retired from the Red Wings uh 11 and a half years after he came to the Red Wings Sid Howe was the all-time goal scorer in the NHL. Mm. And when Gordie Howe comes in, well, this was this was what's so ironic. Yeah. Is that here we are in the in the modern day, and I've got a prerequisite everything with Sid Howe was not related to Gordie. Scotty Bowman is not related to the you know the, the coach that we all know. But at the time, in 1946, when Gordie Howe came along, yeah. right? When he came along, everybody wanted to know if Gordie was related to Sid. Okay. It was a complete reversal right. because Sid Howe was the greatest goal scorer. He was at most goals yeah. in NHL history at that point. And, and they're all like, oh, my God, Gordie Howe, are you related to Sid? You know what I mean? It was reversed because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they're like, oh, man, if there's another Sid Howe, my God, uh, yeah. we might be onto something here. <laughs> and, then, and so now here we are down the road, and it's going to be completely reversed. And that's what's so kind of bizarre um, you know, not taking anything from Gordy, of course, but the, but as I'm saying, like, but these players, their names should, should carry their own weight. It shouldn't have a disclaimer. Yeah. The modern day Scotty Bowman coach, it should be a coincidence that we also have a legend yeah. whose name was Scotty Bowman and it was a, a, a legend before he got there. I've, I've heard of Sid Howe. Yeah. Never heard of the other Scotty Bowman. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is, that's why this was, that's, that is this, it's for this reason. This is, you know, of a many reasons, I yeah. guess. Yeah, but yeah. that's another reason why I love doing this show because now we can talk about these guys and say, like, you know, here from now on, fellas, from now on, I'm not going to, just do this for me. Uh, I am not going to say anymore that, that these guys, that Sid Howell is not related to Gordy. Tell me about And the I assassin. am not going to say anymore that Scotty Bowman is not related to the, the modern day coach. If you guys want to do it, 
if you want to tell the viewers at home, I won't do it. If you guys want to tell the viewers at home who this is, then go ahead. <laughs> but from here on out on this show, nope. we this is like a, a this is we almost expect you at this point for the, <laughs> you the viewer at home, right? If You've we say educated. Sid Howe, if we say Scotty Bowman, it's almost to be like a tongue in cheek joke. If somebody uh, puts something in the comments going, is that related to Gordy? Guess what? Go back to episode 27 and listen to Charles sit there and go on a rant about why it should not be that way and listen to all. We'll know that they haven't listened to all the episodes. If they get to it. the point, they're like, oh, is that related to Gordy? You haven't heard the emphasis right. that we put on right now with this exclamation mark. So, so anyways, tell me about the it. assassin. All right, so as I've already given away a few points of the story that I had laid out here, I'll prim it proper. Yeah, like the notes are kind of like out of order now. But, hey. but you get the general, like, you know, the Ottawa assassin, you know, it's, he's known because he's just like, do we have a, do we have the picture up of the screen? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I made this file today because it's, it's, it's cool because you see the, the, the color photo of uh, Sid right there. Yeah. Sid Howe, like, there's, I got a ton of pictures of him. And Sid Howe was like the picture, most picturesque hockey player that you could be. Yeah. Perfectly proportioned, great looking guy. Um, <clears throat> and just, and you can see, I put that newspaper article then with him skating. Yeah. Cause you can see him curving around the, the net. Like he is in full bore, like assassin mode. Mm. I mean, he is curling around this net and he looks like he is about to explode at full speed head up the ice. Everything I've ever seen, like pretty much every picture. When I was looking for a few photos to throw up on the screen. Mm-hmm. It was hard to choose which picture to, to bring out because there are so many, um, just like every pose of him. Like we had, we did the picture with Dutch Clark where it was called the American football player. Yeah. And it's like, it was the same with him. Like every picture, he's like this prototypical hockey player. Like he just looks cool. <laughs> like he mm-hmm. just looks cool in his gear and he's just, yeah, there is that's there's the American. Dutch. That's how, yeah. But that's how Sid Howe, like every picture, he's just like, you know, this like this classic Ooh. hockey pose. <laughs> and so, and so anyways, so Sid Howe, he's just, you know, he's this electric goal scorer, but here's the thing. So we're going to start sort of just, um, Sort of start back because it's a really interesting route that Sid Howe came to to you know get to this point where they where they uh, from Ottawa from uh, well, yeah you're <laughs> sharp guess I didn't ask the, the trivia question but you, you really nailed that one Jamie the Ottawa so, assassin yeah I'm so I'm good like that so he comes this is my uh, second glass of bourbon too by the way yeah the third one you're really gonna be answering the questions really well the third one you're gonna be answering the questions like dominoes man knocking them down so anyways so he so he comes out of Ottawa as Jamie so you know get, you know this you know guest. Um, in 1929-30, comes out of Ottawa, and then he, uh, um, it, and then he goes on. The, the Ottawa puts him on loan. So this is the thing to understand: Ottawa at this moment in time is really struggling. They're they're really struggling. They they can't afford their players. Um, they is in the, the the depth of the Great Depression. They can't. They're this legendary hockey club. They won Stanley Cups up and down. Adams was part of the Stanley Cup, you know, champion. And so, um, but Ottawa is having all kinds of problems, and th- and it's th- these fluctuating problems that are going to lead to some of these players coming to Detroit. So in 1929-30, Sid Howell, this is rookie year, he plays a little bit with Ottawa, um, and then after that season, he's put on loan and sent to the Philadelphia Quakers, okay, which is mm-hmm. a team that had arisen that we we talked about, uh, just mentioned it earlier on another show that the Pittsburgh Pirates had folded, uh, but they didn't really fold. They actually got relocated. They they were down for I believe a year. And then the next year they were relocated to the Philadelphia where they became the Quakers and had one of the worst seasons. I think the worst season in NHL history. They only had four, they only had, uh, four wins the entire year. Oh. So they were absolutely dreadful. And that was a team that, so, uh, um, so Sid Howe was on that team. And so the following year he goes over the Maple Leafs and, and, um, uh, so, so he's, so he's on loan. So Ottawa suspended operations in 1931-32. They right. don't play, but at the same time, they're like, they didn't fold. 
They just were like, we just can't afford to really lace up this year. So all of our players we're going to send out on loan, but we're going to retain the rights to the players. So he, so during this like, you know, brief lull in their uh, operations, uh, Sid Howe was sent to the Maple Leafs. And the Maple Leafs at that point had one of the best teams. And I mean, not one of the best. They won the Stanley Cup that year. So the Maple Leafs were dominant. And it, like the, the players on the team were just amazing. And so he just wasn't good enough to be on the team. He was still young. He'd just been on a year, you know, just a couple years on, um, in hockey. He wasn't good enough at that point. So they sent him down to Syracuse for the minor leagues for the 31-32 season. And then after, so Ottawa restore, comes back. To, they resume operations in 1932-33, and he plays a season with Ottawa. Um, and then the following season, Ottawa folds, and their team is relocated. Like, maybe I just said it wrong. If they didn't fold, they were relocated. Okay, mm-hmm. They left Ottawa, and the team moved to St. Louis and became known as the Eagles. All right, And so he plays two years with the Eagles um, in, 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 up into 34-35 when he's acquired by the Red Wings. Now – I know that's a lot of threw at you. I'm not expecting you guys to all remember this. Right? If there's a quiz, I'm I've scared. got a yeah. You're not you're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but so I just so in summary, what I want the reason I walked through all these things is because I wanted to get to the summary, which is is that Sid Howell plays for six teams in his first six years. Wow, six teams in six years. Okay. That's, so, who can ever match? I mean, that's incredible. So, but in, in a good way, he was—he was like people were like, "I want this guy. I want this guy." Yeah, or, he was. Or a were thing. they? He was, was you know, yeah, he was a right. You know, he was a potential rising star, right? And but at the, you know, but it's like imagine you're a player in your first six years. You're—I mean, it's every year. It's a different team. It, I mean, that kind of you know, usually a player can, if they're lucky, they can settle into a spot. They kind of know their role. They grow with their line mates. They learn how to play with the other guys in their team, and they develop some kind of chemistry and a, yeah. build a program. Well, in this case, Sid Howe was just bouncing all over the place, looking for you know, he was like basically you know. I don't want to say he's a mercenary. He's just kind of moving along with the tide and trying to stay in hockey in whatever team he can play for. I, I was almost going to use the word mercenary. Yeah, yeah, but a mercenary actually is like you know I'm going to play for this guy for money and you can sign me. This yeah, in yeah. this case he's just kind of like rolling. But you know, really his fortunes are attached to Ottawa. Okay, you know, the first they put him on loan, and then the you know and, the, and then that team that put him on loan that they got for the lease they sent him to the minors, oh. and then he comes back to Ottawa, who then moves to St. Louis and he rolls with him. You see, him saying yeah, like yeah. he wasn't he wasn't a mercenary. He was just, he was actually cruising along with sure. the fortunes of Ottawa. Right, right, and so. So it was in thirty. So, um, so uh, and at the same also nineteen thirty four thirty five, um, he so he is on this this uh, St Louis uh, Eagles team with it with Ralph Scotty Bowman and Scotty Bowman. I bl- I kind of bring in this guy into you know into the story so I can explain because once we introduce these two players, it's a we, there's a sort of a story that that ties them you know together with everything. So um so uh so so it's Sid Howell's on this uh St Louis Eagles team with Scotty Bowman. Who himself had played with Ottawa and now is with, uh, say he had nowhere near the track record of, um, Sid Howe as far as bouncing so many teams. This is only his second year. Yeah. And so Scotty Bowman ends up with, um, with, uh, uh, Sid Howe in, in, uh, in, with the St. Louis Eagles. Now, Scotty Bowman is, is, Scotty Bowman is like, to, I guess you could say the style of play he is. He's a defenseman and Scotty Bowman is like a tough as nails type. Okay. Mm. He's a, he's, you know, he's just, he's like a, he's a good defenseman and he is like, he's like, he's a fighter. He is a scrapper big time. In fact, that's one of the problems that Jack Adams in 35 is going to have to tone him down because he's taken way too many penalties. That's like the, that's like one of the things he just fights everybody. <laughs> he fights everybody. And so, and, and so, and one of the things he's also known for in 35, this was, uh, this was a running joke in 35. Um, I'm not sure how much it applied to every single year of his career, but it kind of gives you an idea of, of, you know, his thing. Because, like, one of the nicknames that they called him in the newspapers was the Stitch in Time guy. Oh, my God. The Stitch in Time guy. Because if you know, like, hockey players get stitched up whenever yeah. they get cut or whatever. In 1935, he's going to go on to have 33 stitches. Jeez. All right. 33 stitches, like, in his face and wherever, you know, like, 
maybe his arm or whatever, but generally speaking, it's in his face because yeah. he's taking pucks. You know, there's one game where they, they won a game because he took a puck off his face to God. stop a goal from getting in the goal. They won one to nothing. Yeah, Normie Smith, the goalie got a shutout, and it was the last shot of the game hit him in the face, dude. He was like... <laughs> Dove across the ice, took one off the face, and they won. They're like, there's three more stitches, that guy. But this is what's so amazing about the stitch story, okay? Like, yeah. you know, okay, great, he had stitches. A lot of people get stitches. But no, nah, how many people that get stitches also own a tailor shop in Toronto? Uh. So he's a tailor in the offseason, <laughs> and he's getting stitched up I all the time. So that's it. what I mean. Like that's that, so, so that's what's so cool about him is like, they played off of that job that he has a tailor yeah, to yeah. the nines. Like yeah. you can see, even in his like main photo, well, that's a little bit tiny to see. But even in the photo we've got up on the screen here, um, if you could blow it up at all or look, get no. a magnifying glass for your screen, he's got a little cut across the bridge of his nose. Okay. Like he's, um, he, I don't know if it was stitched or not, but um, you can just see it in the picture um, if you could look close enough. Um, but so anyway, so he's the stitching time guy. That's the, that's his nickname, you know, by the newspapers and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, he's a rising, you know, talented defenseman. He's a scrapper. He's a tough guy. Um, and I've got some great photos of him. And I've got this one photo where they're posing for a team photo in front of this airplane. Yeah. It was like in the later. It was like in the later thirties. It wasn't you know this in either of these years. But we'll show it maybe on another episode when we're focusing on him more. But um, but Scotty Bowman is standard. The whole team's lined up for this team photo. And um and and I mean, I got this photo from I got a lot of the photos about from him including the photo we have on the screen with the that's a painting with where he's in the Eagles jersey, um from his son Gary I met his son and he's got oh. the entire treasure trove of stuff yeah and so um and so anyways the photo I'm talking about in front of this airplane they're all they're all taking their hats off and waving to the camera and Scotty Bowman's standing there giving the camera the middle finger nice yeah nice <laughs> team photo in front of the airplane well, number one right? yeah nice. he's, he's giving the and he's smiling he's giving the camera the middle finger That's i was like great. that is so awesome so if that like gives you a little bit of a clue you know kind of like his personality like yeah. a little bit you know um that you know that's the kind you know he was a, like i say a tough as nails uh guy and um and so and that, in fact he's so tough that reining him in is going to be one of the obstacles that Jack Adams is going to have to overcome, which we'll get to in another episode. Is uh, is he in the Hall of Fame? No. Is uh, uh, Sid in the Hall of Fame? I believe Sid Howe is in the Hall of Fame, yes. I believe Sid Howe is in the Hall of Fame, Um. So uh, anyways, so yeah, so th- so these are the two guys that the Red – so so uh, these are these two guys. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're both playing great, and, and Sid Howe is playing especially great for Ottawa – because um, by the end of the year, he's going to be the um, the American Division scoring champion with with uh, forty seven points and twenty two goals in um, I forgot how many games I, I don't want to give it mislead, but it's like probably forty eight or forty nine games. They played around fifty games at that point. So. Okay, so somewhere around there. So, anyways, um, he's got forty seven points. Long and short, about a point a game, and um, so uh, and he plays fourteen games with the Red Wings. And um, is going to have 20 points for the Red Wings in that season, including eight goals in 14 games. So it's that's a great numbers. But here's the thing. So um, so this this is like th- this is why I want to kind of package them together to talk about it because they came as a package. Okay. All right. On February 11th, 1935. Um, February 11th, 1935. Just as a, just about the time that the Tigers are uh, maybe a month away from going to spring training. Yeah. That's right about the time that they that they're you know the, the the hype for the Tigers is starting to pick up. And at this moment, Jet and uh, like I say, there's about 14 games left in the season of the 34 35 Red Wings season, and and they spend fifty thousand mm. dollars, fifty thousand dollars to acquire these two guys in 1934. Yes, 35. in 30, yeah, on on November, 8, uh, what did I say, November or February 11th, 1935, fifty thousand dollars to get these two guys. And that's uh, that's what they just spent on Cochran, right? 
Well, that's 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 where I was going to go next. Next with this, it sh- so the Tigers think about this. So the Tigers were on like their get last gasp, right? At the end of nineteen thirty three, or yeah, nineteen thirty three, and so. Frank Navin, the owner, goes out and rolls out that big old eye-popping one zero 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 zero, right? Hundred thousand yeah. dollars, easy to print. Looks hundred thousand for Mickey Cochran, right? Yeah, looks huge in the press. Weird where the sure. Tigers are going places, and I believe that it was a similar effect of these two players getting added to the Red Wings, just as an eye-popping. Guess what? We know our season was not good, but we just we just spent we just fifty thousand on wow. these two guys, right? And, uh, you know, that's what I mean. Like they, so, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, they might not have getting too many headlines, but that's a decent headline. That's to start letting anybody that is following Detroit hockey know that they're about to take this next season real serious. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. It was a, it was a, it was a flashy free agent sign. And I like to think of, I like to think of a, uh, just a totally random, you know, I'm just, it's a fictionalized scenario, but I like to think <laughs> that this is how that trade went down. That, uh, that the coach of the, the, uh, the coach of Ottawa who made this deal, um, he's like, yeah, I'll do forty. I'll do forty-seven thousand or forty-five thousand for the pair. <laughs> and Jack Adams goes, "I'm not going to pay a penny less than fifty thousand. <laughs> like he bids it up because they want that, that round number. number yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, if, yeah. if it's forty-five thousand, yeah. eh, that's a lot, but it's not fifty. Yeah. Fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like that's just got a ring to it. It's mm-hmm. almost as much of a marketing thing as anything. So it's a splash. There's no doubt about that. And so, anyways, so the next component of this story is what to understand is. Um, is, uh, is the coach that they got this deal from because this deal is actually going to cause a ripple through the NHL. Like, um, towards the end of their, towards like the end of their careers, James, uh, James Norris and Jack Adams, the rest of the league like hated these guys. Oh. They did not like them. They were not popular around the league. And so what, and so here's the thing. This is, I'm about to read like, this is sort of, I think this is one of these first examples of how their reputation around the re- league started to grow in sort of a negative, right? Um, and so, um, like, they didn't, like, detest them, but they just were, like, you know, they, they were kind of known for, like, you know, like, there's, you know, they're just people, like, they just they weren't, like, the in, part of the inner circle, like, best buddy club type of thing. You know, yeah. like, there were main people in it, of course, but they were, like, yeah, we're not going to, um, you know, hang out to you every day type of situation. Anyway, so what happened was is that the coach of the St. Louis Eagles – is George is a guy named George Boucher, okay? Yeah. And George Boucher was also the captain of the 1926-27 Ottawa Stanley Cup champions, which is I remember that team photo we talked about. That team photo is going to come into play in so many different ways. Right. Right? And so that we showed it a few episodes ago, but it was the team photo of the 1926-27 Ottawa Stanley Cup champions, in which Jack Adams was a part of it. So George Boucher was the coach of that team, and he's the one that made this deal to sell these two players to Jack Adams and uh, James Norris. So why that's important is is because, <coughs> excuse me, following this following the season um, at the at the at the, uh, at the winter meetings for the for the for the NHL, which t- which began in uh, October fifteenth, nineteen thirty five. So following the season, the Eagles are going to vanish. Okay, the Eagles are going to this this the Eagle this is the final death knell of the Ottawa franchise. Right. Okay, we've talked about how they've moved around and stuff like this, but the so the Eagles are the final incarnation of the Ottawa franchise and after 34 35 they're going to be completely done. They're folding, okay? So what happens is when a team folds, okay? When a team folds, what ends up happening is is that all of their players get cast into a fishbowl. Right. And they, and then the, the, you know, coach from each team draws the players out and then that's the player that they get. 
they get them for free. The oh, player gets, So they all put their names in a hat and they draw the players for free, right? Oh, okay. So um, that's a heck of a draft. Yeah, it's, it's called a dispersal draft. You right, know, right. Sometimes there's an expansion draft when they're about to add a team and they get to take a player from each of the teams. But in this case, it's a dispersal draft in which now the you know each team is getting the the you know the, the you know all players the players from folded, the thing yeah. exactly. But the idea that um the idea just think about this though the idea that uh that that the Eagles had sold these two guys <laughs> prior to the dispersal <laughs> yeah, yeah, draft yeah, yeah. and George Boucher, the coach of the team, was also. Uh, the captain of the Ottawa team and is obviously buddy buddy with Jack Adams. Yeah. Basically, like these guys are, you know, these other teams are like, you know, they should have been part of the dispersal draft. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so like yeah, maybe yeah, there's yeah. like some, you know, like it's almost like a, um, it's almost like because they sold it like before this happened. So shenanigans, almost shenanigan yeah, type yeah. things. Yeah, and it, from what I've from what I've seen, there was a little bit of an issue from Frederick McLaughlin, like you know, from the meeting. And in fact, I wrote about it in the movie to show, you know, that was one of the scenes I have in the movie is McLaughlin going. This is ridiculous, you know. They just took our, you know, they they those two guys they signed should have been part of this. So, um, so anyways, I can see that there'd be, you know, potentially animosity that comes out of this because they're like, yo, they should have been in the punch bowl. They shouldn't have been sold off to Adams, you know. Yeah. Now they got these two stars that come over there, um, and who's to say they weren't worth more than fifty grand? And Adams got a deal, you know. So, um, especially the way Sid's how Sid Howell's career ended up playing out, which he's turned out to be a Hall of Famer, superstar, and all this. So, um, so, anyways, I just say, and right around the same time, it brings up the next player that the Red Wings acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Marty Berry, and so anybody that has ever looked at any Detroit Red Wings like history books, the three biggest names. Whenever they talk about the 1930s, the three biggest names they always talk about is Marty Berry, Larry Ory, and Herbie Lewis. And it's like it's clockwork, man. It is absolute clockwork. You ever look in a book about that has the 1930s? Detroit sports in it, whether it's a, a book that's focused on the Red Wings, whether it's a general history of the Red Wings history, it never fails. It's always a picture of Marty Berry in the center, Larry Ari to the right, and Herbie Lewis to the left. Uh-huh. This this line of these three guys, and with and, and with good reason. The, yeah. I mean, Marty Berry. This, this they're gonna with Mar- the addition of Marty Berry is gonna you know this they're gonna be the top line in hockey that year, but um. They never, nobody ever really goes into Marty Berry, and he is a Hall of Famer. Marty Berry is an okay. absolute stud, and so, but never, ever, nobody ever talks about like who he was or why he was on. He's in every single history book and exactly what he does. And so, Marty Berry, so um, in, in this, in the story of how his acquisition is actually, uh, is it is actually in a lot of in, in books. If they, and a lot of people will actually give this credit as the lint is the one of the you know one of the, you know they always, they usually they glance over the the, you know, the preseason of this. And the main thing they do focus on is the, is the acquisition of Marty Berry in, in exchange for Cooney Weiland. Okay. All right? So we already mentioned Cooney Weiland is their lone all-star. He's like the guy that's like, you know, they're probably their best scorer on their team at that point as far as volume scorer. And Cooney Weiland is traded for Marty Berry. And Marty Berry is the, in, in his own right. They're both centers. That's what's so mm-hmm. interesting about this trade is that both Marty Berry and Cooney Weiland are both centers for their respective clubs. And they're both like amongst the top couple, three best players on their teams. So this is a straight swap for centers from for of superstar centers from two different teams, right? That's what's so interesting about this trade. Usually, like I'm going to trade a defenseman because I need to shore up my forward line or something. You know, there's always like a little bit of difference. It's rare that you ever trade like two guys that are like straight up. I mean, like we saw it this weekend with Matt Stafford getting traded, you know, quarterback for quarterback. We know, of course, there was other draft picks at him, yeah. but it's kind of like that. It's like why would you trade? Why would you trade Cooney Wyland? He's an all star center. For another center, you know, for another different guy who's also good. Like people are always wondering about this this concept. 
And to answer that question, I'm actually going to bring in Jack Adams to answer this question. I got a quote right here right. because you know that's when people were just going, "Why is that?" Like you know. So anyway, so here is um, uh, here is that page. This is one. Where's that here? Um, where is it? At? Where's my sticky notes when I need them? I had it there. Okay, so here is. Okay, here it is right here. Okay, well, so so anyway, so this is the quote right here. So. It's an article. Um, so this is this article. I didn't. I didn't have a date to this, but it okay. was a newspaper article, and it came from the scrapbooks from Norma Smith, who was the daughter of Normie Smith, who was the goalie of the Red Wings. So, God, you've met so many cool people. Yeah, no, in it your was travels, cool. So. Absolutely. Yeah, Norma Smith was fantastic. I got more photos and stuff from her than probably anybody else. Sure, her, her, she had every her 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 father had collected every single article from the Red Wings for like a three or four year bracket. Wow. Every article she had just it was like an encyclopedia of Red Wings uh, newspaper photos and stuff and newspaper articles it was it was amazing so anyway so th- this was an article that came out of there but there was no date on it okay. that's what was that's why I yeah. say it's an undated yeah. un- un- unidentified I didn't even know what newspaper it was and I didn't know what date it was but it, but this story comes out of that okay mm-hmm. and I, and the, like I say the, the goal is to answer the question about why they why Jack Adams would trade these two centers center for center sure so at the so at the time the deal was made followers of the Red Wings couldn't understand what manager Jack Adams meant by allowing his first center Iceman to get away. They shrugged their shoulders and whispered all kinds of things. Cooney had been one of the favorites with Red Wings customers. He had been the main cog in the Wings front line working between Larry Ory and Herbie Lewis, and it was looked upon as a, to- as a fatal move to the Red Wings' chances of landing in the playoffs when Whalen was, was sent away, even for Barry. We got around to talking about the trade and other night in the dressing rooms while the Wings and Bruins were preparing for their battle. I'd say it was a perfect trade, manager Adams remarked. I understand. I have nothing against Wyland. I think he's a great player. Yes, a great one. But I am perfectly satisfied with the work Barry, with the work of Barry for us, and I know the Bruins are satisfied with the results too. So I'd say it was a perfect trade. What caused you to break up your first string line and make the deal in the first place? Adams was asked. That's easy to answer. The smiling pilot of the Wings came back. There is no denying that Wyland is a great player, but what we needed more than anything else was was beef combined with speed. We had to have players who could stand up under the the strain of hard cam- of a hard campaign. And what and what did we have? We had Long John Sorrell and Gordon Pettinger, two slim fellows. We had Larry Ory, another little fellow, and we had Wyland. The long and we had Wyland. The long grind was too much of a strain on them. We needed someone with beef who still combined the virtues of all the others. Of the other, so yeah, he an Iron Man. So he needed he needed a, bru- a little bit more of a bruiser. Yeah, right? he needed a little bit more of a bruiser. And Wyland was more of this, like the you know the smaller goal scoring types that he had plenty of. Yeah. So that was sort of the answer to that you know to that question. And that's like a that was that's a, a question that the that's one of the biggest questions throughout the entire year that newspaper articles are having fodder with saying who got the better of the Cooney Wyland. Mar- Marty Berry trade that was mm-hmm. like the one of the main. They, they were always revisiting, revisiting that subject. In fact, there was that one like they were keeping track of how many goals each had scored mm. to compare it with each other to say you know to try to see you know who would win out on that this trade. You know that I mean, it was a, an ongoing story throughout the entire oh, year. Okay. And so, anyways, so we already got an indication from Adams that Marty Berry uh, was you know they needed more beef a bigger guy more rugged guy and i've got this great quote here that um this is the only other quote i really want to read today but it's i yeah. think it's a good one um and it's a, and it and it's a little description about um uh about what kind of player marty berry was okay so this ar- this article this actually comes once again from Phil Arranger if they played hockey in heaven which is the jack adams story so um this is talks about um berry marty berry and like 
Um, and like, there's like I say, you know, that rugged component that Adams was looking for in, in that player. So seldom one to get a penalty and never one to commit a deliberate foul. Barry, paradoxically, was the league's most feared man on the ice. Nobody monkeyed around with the Montreal Irishman. They were afraid of the wicked power he had in each of his massive fists and learned early in his career to respect the Detroit star. In his early days in the league, before everybody became aware that he was such a gentleman, Lionel Conacher made the mistake of smashing Barry into the boards and then slashing him with his stick. Mm. Lionel, if you do that again, I'll cut your head off with my fingernails and toss it in the net, Barry said, <laughs> holding the stunned Conacher a foot off the ice with one of his strong arms. Rival players heard about the warning, but they were apparently skeptics or playing deaf. Marty soon cured them and made believers of all of them with his hammering hands. Nice. So, once again, Lionel Conacher makes an appearance. We talked about him briefly last episode. Lionel Lionel Conacher was voted the best best Canadian athlete of the first half of the 20th century. Yeah. I mean, this guy played every sport. He was a monster. He was one of – Lionel Conacher was one of the most feared men in hockey, too, like – they, he's saying he held him up with one hand. Like I might have to deb- dispute that a little bit because Lionel Conacher was tough. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's picking him up with one hand. Like you know, like going, "Don't you ever say that to me again." Like he's like Arnold. You know, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. "Don't you ever mess with me again like that, Lionel." You know, like he's uh, not. He, I don't think he's that awesome. You know yeah, what I mean? Like uh, yeah, yeah. I have no doubt that he was tough because that comes out all the time. And I have no doubt that people didn't really want to mess with Barry. Yeah. Like he wasn't like he. Ebby Goodfell. Ebby Goodfell was the type of player that, like, Ebby would scrap, like, you know, he was he was almost like an, he was, I don't want to say he was an enforcer like a Bob Probert, but he was more of the type of guy that, like, you know, he looked out for his teammates, he looked out for himself, he had no, he had no, you know, problem with jumping into a fight. He was a little bit more of the fight starter, whereas Marty Barry was more of, like, the type that, like, just let me do my thing and you're not going to get hurt. You know, like don't, but just don't mess with me though. If you mess mm. with me, it's over. You know what I mean? Like he was that kind of guy. Like he didn't like really seek the fights out, but if you got tangled up with him, you're probably in trouble. You know, so they, it was just wise to just play hockey with him, not try to, you know, body him too much and, you know, get us, get him all, get him upset with you. So, and so, anyways, that was the type of player that we're dealing with here. And the, and the skill set that he had was, besides just being like a goal scorer, yeah. they, he, Marty Berry was one of, if not the best passer in the entire league. Mm. He, was an, he was an outstanding passer. Oh, that's huge, man. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, getting it, get it onto the other person's stick. I mean, that's... Uh, that's, that's the key. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so Marty Berry is... So that's how Marty Berry is acquired. And so he's, again, so he's like an anchor of this top line with Larry Ori and Marty Berry. Did he call in the in the article there, did they, did they call him the Montreal Irishman? Yeah, he said that... a Montreal... Nobody, he said nobody, nobody monkeyed around with the Montreal Irishman. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I love all these little nicknames, yeah. right? The, you know, the Ottawa Assassin, yeah. the Montreal Irishman. Yeah, and you, just, get a, you almost get a picture of the type of I guy that, like, all these the little... Montreal Irishman, like, just like this rugged, tough yeah. guy, like, yeah, thing, yeah. you know, like you almost like it just paints a picture just with little, those nicknames. Love all the little nicknames. Yeah. Man. So anyway, so that's how they get Marty Berry, who's going to be like, you know, he's going to have this and he's just going to have an incredible year um, by the end of the year. And he's going to be again, he's going to be the guy that everybody sees in the Detroit history books. Um, whenever you see whenever you see, which is very rare, whenever you see they all, you know, they got to mention something about the 30, 30s Red Wings, you know, yeah. they got to have at least one picture. Yeah. And whenever they do, it's always that, you know, it's rare that you, the only other maybe the second most ever seen player is maybe maybe Normie Smith, the goalie mm-hmm. or or Ebby. It's it's even rare to see Ebby Goodfellow. It's like it's 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 always the, the, the line with Barry, Ori and Lewis. And then it's rarely anything else. You don't see anything else. Right. And then, like, you know, like I say, if you do see something else, rarely 
it'll be Abby Goodfellow or Normie Smith. Otherwise, there's nothing. You don't see anybody else. All right. And it's like, um, and so that's what I'm saying. Like that. So that. So this is the guy that's in that picture. That if you got a, if you're listening right now and you got a Detroit history book, go open it up and see what I'm saying. Yeah. You're gonna flip to the hockey section, and there's gonna be one picture there, and it's gonna be Barry Orion Lewis. And so this is the guy that centers that line in 34, 30, or in 35, 36, and for the next three years after that. Do we get to the hurricane? Talking about nicknames. That's our next man. Is that the hurricane? That's the next man. Yeah. You All got right. the picture ready to go. I got a, I got a picture of the the hurricane. So this is the yeah. So anyway. here we go. So this is, so the next guy on our list. So so now we've got you know we already talked about the, the first three guys that are key to understand that the next guy to bring up is Hurricane Heck Kilria. Uh, yeah. So this is so the photo I got up on the screen here. Um, we have a picture of Heck. It's isolated from the uh, from that same nineteen twenty the nineteen twenty six twenty seven Ottawa team photo. Okay. All right. This is another guy, another connection okay. to that team. And so he was actually a line mate with Jack Adams on that team. And so Jack knows him incredibly well. In fact, he had that's in fact so he had played with Ottawa and then um and then it, it, from nineteen twenty five to nineteen thirty one and then when Ottawa again was having trouble when they were having difficulties, uh the Ottawa sent him on loan to the Falcons. So he'd already played for Detroit in nineteen thirty in nineteen thirty one, thirty two as a Detroit Falcon. And so after that 1931-32 season, I think he was a little bit of a mercenary at that point. He was allowed to kind of pick what team he wanted to go to mm-hmm. because the team he because the team he went to because he jumped after that 31-32 season when he was on loan, he went over to Toronto for for the 1933-34 season. And then in 19 after 30, uh, 30 uh after that he he ends up signing up with uh with the wet, with the Red Wings 1935 uh, see, for the before the 1935 season and he's and he's acquired for $7500. And so seventy five hundred dollars is what the Red Wings pay for him. So they buy him too. And so again, so seventy five hundred dollars. And so he, um, so Hekilria is uh, known as so he is known as one of the fastest men in the NHL. Okay, he is speed and he is scoring. Um, he doesn't put up massive numbers. He's more of kind of like a like a second or third line um, like winger. And he like you know he, he he's going to chip in goals pretty regularly, and so he was called by um, by Tommy Gorman, who was a just legendary coach at the time, uh, Montreal Maroons coach in this year, and so and he was called by Tommy Gorman uh, the most dangerous man on the Detroit club. Mm. So he's one of these guys that like he's not like the number one guy by any means, but he's the guy that if you're if you don't if you don't um, have somebody on him at pretty much all times. You can't just put some raw bone rookie on him. He's gonna, you know, he'll he'll abuse you all game. So you have to account for him in some capacity. He was a dangerous player. He was a, like I say, he was a, con- a consistent goal scorer. Chipped in with goals like kind of when it counted. And uh, and actually in 1928, he there was actually a fastest man in the NHL contest, and he won that. And the, what you had to do was you had to skate around the rink with a puck. And they would time you to see how fast you could skate around the ice. And he's and he li- there's an article that talks about in the book I have it. It show it, when he when he raced in 28. He has a list of all the different times for all the different players that he raced against. And he had the top one. It was 16.25 seconds. A lap around the ice in 16 seconds with a puck, like skating with it. Wow! Like this guy is a, a just a burner. Like I don't know. I don't you know to c- compare like how I don't really have anything to compare it to, but I know I can't do it. Like 16 <laughs> seconds. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 16 yeah. seconds. It would yeah. take me probably that long just to get halfway down. The in board an Uber, maybe. But, uh... Yes, I mean that's just he's just. I mean he was super. You know, super fast. 
And um, you know, like I say, so he is so he so he's gonna be a main he's gonna be a big time contributor to this Red Wings team. And it kind of gives Jack Adams depth. You know, he doesn't have you know, like the, he's not a, he's not on this top line, but he knows that whatever line he puts heck on um, is going to be a you know an offensive threat whenever he's on the ice. So wow. so that's what he brings to the for, to the team in this you know, with their with his acquisition. So and again back to that twenty seven that team group amazing. Just so many all things the coming out of there. Yeah, we haven't even got to all of them yet. You know, it's, yeah. so so um so anyways that's what I mean like that what I said at the beginning I was like this team is so important because it's like yeah, yeah. because Adams you know and it wasn't a coincidence that's where Jack Adams played you know yeah. he was there yeah. he met all these guys that's where he came on directly to the Red Wings and that was like his pipeline to, you know to other you know to the other teams stuff to other people I love how this is unfolding with this team that's what I'm saying the connections are there so this so you know that's what we want to talk this is the man these are all the people I want to talk to for the, about in this episode because the next episode it's like a whole another batch of players mm-hmm. and they're going to be coming from like a whole different different angle. So that's why I was you know happy to kind of encapsulate these guys um in this, you know, these are like these are the, these are some, you know, big time guys that are going to factor in. So long story of it now, we you know we dropped we lost uh, Cooney Wyland in the trade for for uh, Marty Berry. So now um we've we've found nine, that's you know, count your numbers. We got four guys plus the five anchor guys that we already talked about. So that's nine guys that we've that we've identified that are going to be Guys that are part of this 1935 season, uh, like core guys. So we got about six to go. You know? right. but next next week we're going to be talking. Um, there's a couple, two or three guys that are it's going to that you know that are just going to rotate throughout the sure. season. So next week we're going to be talking about uh, I don't know how know the exact number, but uh, I think yeah, three guys, three guys next week that are going to form um, the you know three more. So they have twelve of the guys, and then there's probably three guys to the rest of you that are just kind of rotators. But but I'm saying like so next week we're gonna there's a great story to come up with next week and. Um, yeah, so this is that's what so we got through. What I wanted to get through today. Yeah. Matt and I have a, a small uh, Hall of Fame hockey brag. We kind of uh, do, really. Yeah. What is yeah. it? What do we What do we got coming up there, Matt Fox? Uh, Man Cave Happy Hour, uh, the little podcast that Jamie and I do. Yeah, yeah. we have a, uh, a a Chicago Blackhawk. Yep, goalie, Hawk Hall of Fame baby, Hall of Fame uh, goalie. He's going to be joining the Man Cave because he uh, started his own bourbon company. Really? Eddie, Eddie Belfort. Eddie Belfort. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to have Eagle. Eddie. I think they, yeah, the Eagle, I think they call him. Yep. I so, believe uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Eddie the Eagle. Eagle. So we're going to have Eddie. Uh, Eddie's yeah, going to be with us on the uh, Man Cave Happy Hour. That's uh, cool. Coming up on February 23rd, yeah. uh, a Tuesday, 7 p.m. Is that what his nickname was? Did I get it? Oh, I thought you were saying yes because you looked it up. And, uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Okay. You're good. Yeah, February That's 23rd. Cool, what is he, so, in Detroit? Is he Detroit? Oh, he's going to be on the uh, Yeah, he's going to be on the He's going to zoom in. That's cool, man, yeah. If anybody's a hockey Fan, a Eddie fan, a Blackhawk. Yeah, Black be cool. I think fun, he played man. for the Leafs in Dallas, and uh, he, he, there were like three teams he played. Yeah. Like he played did for like the Blackhawks. He was tough for them. That's nineteen yeah, years, yeah. He yeah. nineteen years. A lot of them with the Blackhawks. The, the other major teams escaping me, and I know Dallas. No, he was no. He, he moved was, around a little bit. Yeah, but, no, he uh, was great. He was a great goalie. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so we're gonna have uh, Eddie. I'm really excited about that it. That is cool. Yeah. And, they're, gonna, and they're and they're and they're supposedly sending us some of his bourbon too, which makes me pretty damn happy. That's cool. I keep that's checking uh, my mailbox. I'm like, honey, did the mail come in? The mail come in? Damn. I'm going to – so, yeah, a little, uh, little brag for uh, – Called uh, Belfort Spirits. Plug. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah Belfort. That's Belfort. Yeah, so he's got, uh, he's, got a, he's got a rye. He's got a whiskey. He's got a bourbon. Mm-hmm. And I think he's – does he have a – he's got one other, like either a, a, a gin or a vodka. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to dig into it. So, yeah, yeah so he's got uh, – he's got a, lot a, of, a lot of toast. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's always a fun uh, show to do. Yeah. You talk about Clank. cracking, try Clank. some new bourbons out. That's a great show. So Tom, you had something over there. You told me you want to tell me about. Well, is we that no, Well, here's for the, here? we, yeah. Well, you know, we're trying to close up these shows.
shows with a little uh, did you know from Tom, little little segment here. Yeah. So do we have the do, uh, Matt? Do you have the little sound bite thing that beeps? In that I believe like Jamie's that? got it right there. Do you have the little button that you push to like say like it's like a little song goes? Oh. Did you know with Tom? Like some kind of like, you know, like a little jingle, like, well, now did we you do. know with no, Tom? Next, he is here. You know, like some kind of song that plays so, with it. Like, next week. Oh, okay. We didn't have that. All right. I thought we had that ready to go. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about it. I'm just no, made it up right here and trying to put you on the spot. Okay. I just, I forgot. All right. Um, all right. Hold on. We got, okay. Did you know with Tom? Well, that's not bad. You there you go. Matt, Matt's came in it. with a pinch. Matt's freestyling over there. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I guess if did you know that the Los Angeles Lakers were once the Detroit Gyms? Get out. In 1946, the Gyms were formed in Dearborn, Michigan, and they only lost four games, oh. or they won, they won four and lost 46. And a man came from Minneapolis and bought them and renamed them the Lakers. And now they're in Los Angeles, and they were the Detroit Gems. Well, so did he take were, them to uh, Minneapolis yeah, first? Because that's well, the they, land of a thousand lakes, well, too. What, yeah. Well, what they did is they were the Gems, and then they bought the franchise, moved them to Mil- uh, to Minneapolis, uh-huh. renamed the team the Lakers, and then they went to Los Angeles. So if you root for the Los Angeles Lakers, you're rooting for the Detroit Gems. Yeah, did you that's know where they that? Started. Yeah. Well, here's I, the thing, Tom. I did know that. And I want to add one little thing to that yeah. story because I only I only knew that because you told me. I mean, right. but it was years ago, and I actually looked into it a little bit on my own spare time, and I found something else that's kind of cool to add on to your well, you know, digital on. story. I did because you haven't know. been talking go enough. Go ahead, I go ahead, Jamie. I'll turn it over to you, buddy. <laughs> I got nothing. That's all snarky. I'll put you on the spot. Let's just take a nice little silent pause. snarky let snarky Jamie, comments is all let I got. Jamie just have this have those spotlight. Snarky snarky comments are all I have. That was so. It. Anyways, you, what you mentioned there was the record. <laughs> of the Detroit Jazz. Well, I'll just take it right on in. Yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah, it right yeah. on in. So the record, but what? They won. So, so you mentioned the record. Mention the record again of they, the of they, the Detroit they won, Gems. They won four and lost forty six. That's awful, right? You oh. lose forty six games out of fifty. Right. That's hideous. That's kind of like. Detroit sports it's, today. It's like well, it's not that bad, but they <laughs> but it's like the Philadelphia Quakers, which is you know the worst record. I mean, that's one of the worst records ever, right? Yeah. But here's this is a this is like a did you know I want to add on? To yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Okay, whenever a team they had the NBA draft back then. Okay, they had the NBA draft back then. Yeah, and so what? So just like today, the the worst team gets the top overall pick. Sure. Okay, and because of the Detroit Gems' awful season. When they moved to Minneapolis, they moved with the number one overall pick. So when they landed in Minneapolis to start this thing, they got the number one overall pick in the draft. You know who they acquired? I bet you I do. I don't. Uh, George Mike. Got it. Tom, get it. So I did, my, did you know the Tom? What, who is it? George, George Mike was like the first superstar in the NBA. Oh, okay. Like, he was a dominant, dominant How long center. were they in uh, Minneapolis? Dominant. How long were they in Minneapolis? Just a couple years, I think. Three or four years. Yeah, the, it wasn't long. Was, it, was Mike and with them when they he, moved because to when Mike L.A.? And, because when Mike and went out to L.A., he was like the first great L.A. Okay. Lakers center. Right, right. And right. he was like a star. I mean, he was like yeah. a superstar. And like he was like the first like superstar of the NBA. Okay. And they're like, how did we get this guy? They're like, you know, nobody knows. But he's just here. You know, He's amazing. He blew chunks yeah, a few years like, ago. That's it's kind of like that's how the Lakers always are. You look at them, they're like, Hold on a second. They got Shaquille O'Neal. How'd they get him? <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know how they got him, but I'm saying, like, you're like, oh, that's all right. You know, yeah, they got Kobe. They got Shaquille. They got, you know, they got, you know, uh, LeBron J. How'd they get him again? Like, it's just crazy. Like, it goes all the way back. I mean, they go Wilt Chamberlain. All they got, he got Wilt Chamberlain. How'd they get him? Like, yeah. you know, didn't he play with the, you know, Bucks or whatever? They got Magic Johnson. How do they get, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, they just always are like, 
oh yeah, yeah, we got uh, George Mike in. You know, they're like, he was where did he star. come from? He he yeah. really helped build the NBA. Mike and that's what I'm saying. He, he was that he, star. He, yeah. yeah. Like, if you look up George Mikan... So many things lead yeah. back to Detroit. Yeah, but if you yeah. look up... Anybody that's listening to this, if you have a, if you have a chance to look up George Mikan, um, whenever you start... If, you know, any, like, even like Wikipedia, I'm sure, has a pretty good write-up on him because he was that big of a guy, big of a name or whatever. And you'll see how big of an impact he was on the NBA. George Mikan was like one of, like one sort of like the guy that the entire NBA kind of coalesced around. You know, He was like this big, dominant center. And then the L.A. Lakers started adding more pieces. And they won, they started being championship teams and stuff. And so, yeah, he was a big guy. And so that's, but they, they got him because the gems were so bad. There you go. Yeah. They were bad. Yeah. All right. So, Tom, you always say this about this hour. Where does it go? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there it is. It's another hour gone. Detroit City of Champions, DetroitCityofChampions.com on the socials. Find us, uh, YouTube and, and Facebook. Thank you. If you've listened, uh, thanks for sharing these stories, you know, listening in and tuning in for these stories. We appreciate it. Any comments uh, are, are Greatly appreciated and, and most very welcome. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, and uh, Matt, thanks for all you're doing over there. Just pushing your buttons. You do a great job. Buddy. That is it, Damn, Tom. Nice. I appreciate nice you coming in. You well, thank you there. very much. It's an honor to be <laughs> trudging, here and trudging in. And uh, I just enjoy. I just I, I thank you, Charles, for letting me listen to the stories and say rude things. <laughs> no, you're no. I, I thank you guys for doing this whole thing for, for the interest and for your, the studio you guys have here. It's yeah. a beautiful studio. I always brag yeah. about how great it is in here. And oh, thank you. Um, you guys are always very welcoming. And um, you know, me and Tom after the show usually just like hang out. You guys are. Like walking out the door, meantime we're sitting here <laughs> hand talking about stuff for like a half hour. So yeah. I appreciate all the you know you guys are always really cool, and I always appreciate all the work you guys. Do. Well, and everybody that's joining us uh, on this adventure, uh, Ming Chen uh, gave us a thumbs up. Yes, uh, he the did. comic comic book men. Um, okay. He was uh, he's from New Jersey. He was on uh, with uh, the comic pen. Well, uh, Kevin the, Smith. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith and excellent. Comic- yeah, well, he's, yeah. Thank you. He's, a, he's a big. He's a big New Jersey podcast guy. All right, cool. Uh, no, thank a, you. Thanks for lots the of mention. lots yeah. of love between Detroit yeah. and New Jersey Appreciate on the podcast yeah. sides. Oh, yeah. Sports, not so much. Podcast, <laughs> yeah. lots of love back and forth between <laughs> yeah. Detroit and New Jersey. So, all right. Appreciate that. We'll do it again. And everybody else who uh, Erica chimed in and uh, a couple other people as well. So, thank you. I think you. Erica was laughing at you and uh, your, your intro because uh, yeah. first time I heard your intro, I did not know that was you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's got yeah. his own little. He's got his nineteen thirty. Voice I love that. that's so much fun. Oh, and, you know, uh, Catherine, totally. Catherine said hi as My well. Sister, yes. yep. So uh, thanks everybody who uh, checks Tell in with us. Hi. And uh, hi. hi back, Catherine. We'll see you guys next time. It's uh, Detroit City of Champions.